welcome to Southern Fried Pop Culture. I am Mandy Kay. And I'm Kelly Lee. Each week, we're going to talk about our experiences of Southern culture through the lens of stories that are set in the South, feature Southern characters, or are Southern flavored in some way. And on the show, our structure comes from our amazing theme song written by our friend Jazzy Bentley. So we'll talk about the movie in three different parts, Southern culture in general, the bless your heart or problematic moments, and the things we loved that make us tickled pink. This week, we're talking about the 2005 movie Walk the Line, starring Joaquin Phoenix, Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Goodwin, and Robert Patrick, about the life and music of Johnny Cash. Directed by James Mangold, the screenplay was written by Gil Dennis and James Mangold based on Johnny Cash's autobiographies. The IMDb genre is biography, drama, and music, and the tagline for Walk the Line is Love is a Burning Thing, which may be my favorite movie tagline so far. It is pretty great. Yeah, it's pretty good. (laughs) And I've had Johnny Cash songs stuck in my head for three days now, so... I get Johnny Cash songs stuck in my head and on a regular basis anyway, but okay, definitely after watching this movie. I don't. Surprisingly enough, growing up in the South, I did not grow up on a diet of Johnny Cash, oh. even though my granddaddy loves like classic country mm-hmm. or did before before he passed. And and so I would go visit him and hear him talk about all these stories, about how he got to go see concerts and and certain music that he liked but for him it was more about telling the story than it was listening to the song oh i see and so i got lots of stories but i never really listened to much of the music i always did um pretty much the only thing my dad and i have in common is music and when i was little i spent a lot of time riding around in the truck with him sometimes for the entire day and he had a tape collection And so, like, I got to pick from his tape collection whatever music I wanted. But he brought me up on stories of the singers, like most kids are brought up on stories of Jesus. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't just listening to the music and talking about the lyrics. It was, you know, Don Williams and James Taylor and Jim Croce, Johnny Cash and Waylon Jennings and Chris Christopherson and, like, why they became musicians and what their lives were like before and how they so often intersected together and who sang backup for who and who wrote whose songs. And I always loved it. But Johnny Cash was one of my favorites. There's just something about a man in all black. I don't know what it is exactly. Okay. All right. That's fair. Completely fair. Especially when you get Joaquin Phoenix to play him on the big screen. So So, (laughs) while we are on the subject, (laughs) because this is not a Southern thing, but I have admitted to being a shallow woman before and girl... Do I have a celebrity crush on Joaquin Phoenix? Because my ex-fiance looks so much like him, they could be brothers. Mm. I mean, I kept doing double takes in this movie. (laughs) It was ridiculous. My ex's hair was longer and his eyes were bright blue. But otherwise, they could have been very much like he could have been a stand-in double. And I got distracted a couple times trying to take notes just from the sheer appreciation of beauty of this man. That is understandable because he does clean up very nice. Oh my god! And you give him a guitar and he can sing, and I am I am a goner. <laughs> so fun fact: 
um, they almost had to transpose all of Johnny Cash's songs to a higher key because Joaquin couldn't sing that low. But right before they started filming, he had been practicing so much that his voice dropped and he could do it. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, I was super impressed with him and Reese Witherspoon for doing all of their own singing. I think they did all of their own uh, guitar playing and whatever that thing is that she played. Yeah. What was, is that a har- harp? Is that a harp? harp? It's not a harpsichord. What is, I have no idea what it is. She was amazing. I think it might be a harpsichord, but I'm not positive. Yeah, maybe it is. She, she was, I mean, some people are just so talented. It's just like, oh, come on. Like, <laughs> really? You can act and sing and play and write lyrics and okay, whatever. Like, <laughs> there has to be some past ritual sacrifice going on here. I enjoyed watching them so much. Yes. Just to clarify, it was not a harpsichord. It's called an auto harp. Oh, okay. You learn Just something so you new know. every day. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. <laughs> Very good. I have no All desire right. to learn how to play one. That thing looks uncomfortable. Oh, good Lord. It had so many strings. Yeah. No. Not look like fun at all. Um, but it, I, and I really, I loved the music in the movie so much that I kept getting distracted from taking notes about the story and like okay. having to rewind and go back because I got so caught up in the music, um, especially yes. in the musical performances because they were so great. And I cannot believe it took me this long to watch this movie because like, it's Johnny Cash for crying out loud and amazingly talented actors and such amazing musicality. So it was depressing as hell, but I'm really glad you had me watch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So depressing. Um, do you have any more of the Southern experience stuff or can we just jump right into bless your heart? <laughs> <laughs> it was very, very sad that like my favorite Johnny Cash story did not make it into this movie when he sang Sunday Morning Coming Down, which Chris Christopherson wrote, he performed it on the Johnny Carson show. And okay. ABC tried to censor him against singing the lyrics the way that they actually go, which is, you know, about drugs. Because the song is about like a hangover and recovering from that and, you know, that kind of thing. And Johnny Cash sang it the way Chris Christopherson wrote it. And I think it was the first like live television performance of a song with a drug reference okay, in the U.S. And I always loved that story. And I loved the relationship between Johnny Cash and Chris Christopherson. And I was really sad not to see that in the movie. Yeah. So it's not a bless your heart because of the timeline that they followed. But I got so excited just for one second of Waylon Jennings that I was dying to see Chris Christopherson. Oh, <laughs> okay okay so, that's about it so yes bless your heart begin the blessing mandy k uh, okay so i had not seen this movie in years and years and i just kind of forgot how damn depressing this movie was mm-hmm. i think that it's possible when i watched it previously i was going through a depressive episode and so it just gave me something to settle into mm. <laughs> and so my memory of it is that I really enjoyed the experience, that I loved the movie, that I thought it was fantastic. And this time around, I was just like, there is nothing happy that happens in this whole movie. Mm -hmm. There is not one single happy person in this movie. 
And it was so hard to watch. I think June held on to a certain amount of happiness, but June was also like a fairy tale princess character because she was so in touch with the good things and so in touch with the good side of things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this was not a movie about happy people. No, no. But why, why did they have to make Viv so unlikable? Yeah. I felt so bad for her. I felt awful for her, but they made her like nothing good came out of her mouth. She was never supportive. She was never happy. They made her, and I'm sure this is not true because nobody is really like that all the time. Mm -hmm. They made her like ungrateful and selfish. Yeah. Did you get the sense that like when they first got married, she thought the music thing was like a phase he would outgrow or like she didn't really understand what it was to him or what it meant to him because it seemed to me like she was just waiting for him to set it aside, Mm -hmm. you know, and be the kind of husband that she wanted. And that's not the person that he was, right? you know, but when you wake up and realize that and you're at home and married to him and you've got two kids, like that's just a a terrible place to be. Mm -hmm. And, and I felt so, bad for her like having to put up with the fan mail from the girls in the bathing suit and you know having to put up with him being gone all the time and which I don't know can be both a blessing and a curse I guess but when he asked her you know what do you want from me and she says I want you John it seems to me that she wants him minus the music and the music is part of who he is and it just struck me as incredibly sad yeah, that's definitely the way it was portrayed in the movie. Yeah. Um, because from our perspective, he did dabble with music a little bit when he was a child. But then we got to see him when he was asking Viv to marry him when he was in the Air Force. You know, this wasn't something he had been doing. And it sounds like maybe that was something she didn't sign up for that she didn't understand was part of his life and she just never got it. Yeah. It just manifested so bratty, bratty, bratty. That's the word. (laughs) He told her, you know, he's like, I'm going to be on the radio and we're going to make a family and I'm going to marry you. And I think all she heard was, I want to marry you. Yeah. You know, and that just truly understanding how serious he was about that didn't break through to her. Mm-hmm. You know, and so then she's living with wanting him to be someone he's not. And he's living with the disappointment of her living with him being someone that he's not. Right. Um, now, he was horrible to her. I'm not excusing that. But I it, I just felt sad for both of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that, that Viv herself is, is something in my bless my heart section. It's just yeah. the way they portrayed her. Like, they made it. Oh, God, I hate to say this, but they made it seem like it's okay that that Johnny cheated on her because she was just a nagging harpy that was at home. And so, of course, he was going to go cheat on her and then eventually end up with June. Right. You know, it was like they set it up as if she's the bad one and June is the good one. So we're going to root for June. And love and marriage is way more complicated than that. Yeah. And I was rooting for June to be June. Like, we see them, you know, get together at the end. First of all, I, you remember how much I hated the Walmart wedding in 
um, where the heart is. Yeah. Okay. I hated this proposal more than that. <laughs> <laughs> you do not propose on stage in front of a bunch of people to a woman who's already told, you know, 50 times. Right. But I didn't want her with Johnny. Johnny doesn't deserve her. And I wanted to see her come into her own and find her own kind of happiness without him because, you know, she was in the position of saving him. And that is not what you want to build a marriage on. Right. So I, I felt really terrible for her because, you know, she's going to try. She's going to try to be everything for everyone. You know, she's still she's trying to be a performer and a mom and put up with all the judgment that she gets from people and be a good daughter and take care of him. And I'm like, honey, you are a raw force of talent in and of yourself. And I don't think she gets enough credit for her role in the lyrics and the music of some of his most famous songs. I was oh, glad. Yeah, I had no idea oh, yeah. she wrote Ring of Fire. Oh, yeah. And if you look at the credits, um, if you look at that song online, it'll say it in tiny print at the bottom. It'll say Ring mm-hmm. of Fire by Johnny Cash. And then in tiny little letters, lyrics by June Carter mm-hmm. and Johnny Cash. Mm-hmm. She doesn't get recognized for that, you know? Yeah. And I'm willing to bet that that probably happened with more than just that song. So being someone's muse and someone's caretaker all the time does not let you step into your own voice and your own talent. And I wanted that for her more than I wanted that for him. Right. I find it interesting that this is the period of time that they chose to focus on for the movie and that it ended where it did, like right after they got together. Mm -hmm. Because when you think of Johnny Cash, you think of June. And when you think of June, you think of Johnny, you think of this epic love story. I mean, there are songs written about them. Right. And we don't really see any of that. We don't see the lifetime of love that they shared. We see the storm that got them there. Right. Which is good, but I feel like we needed to temper some of that darkness with some of the good. Oh, yeah. I think And I wish we had. Yeah. Because it was dark. Oh, it was super dark. There were parts of it that were hard to watch because it always seems to me like you have this this constant conflicting war between amazing creative talent and absolute personal destruction. And I hate seeing the dark side of that win. And it seems to win so much. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of how I felt watching this. Like, well, it started off that way, right? With Jack, because every time there's a wonderful brother in a Southern movie, you know, he's going to die. You know, it's going to be horrible. And I was like completely falling in love with those two boys. And I'm like, Jack is not going to make it. This movie is Mm going to break my heart. And sure enough, that is what happened. Yep. (laughs) I hate it. I just hate it. And I, I hate that that is, I hate that that is so true that it becomes woven into stories because you can't write about these kind of lives without including it. But I really wish it wasn't the case. Yeah. Well, but he wouldn't have had the life that he had if his brother hadn't died at that point. I think it was the trauma of that and the consequences with his father that drove him to some of the darkness that he experienced. Absolutely. And and I don't I guess I don't like that necessarily being the source of his music. And it seemed like it was and maybe it was. I mean, you know, but surely that kind of inspiration can come from another place. It can. That's it me. Can. That's me being all hopeful. 
<laughs> optimistic and <laughs> romantic, Randy. Who are you and what have you done with my Kelly Jones? I spent two hours watching Joaquin Phoenix. I can't help. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I have a romanticized view of music, I think. Oh, I do too. I do too. I I love music movies. I love just listening to music. But oh, this one was just different. It was. It was difficult. It was bad. So I know you have other bless your heart points. What's your next one? Why does the judgment of divorce always fall just to the woman? Yeah. Right? I mean, she June acknowledges it a couple of times in this, you know, when when Johnny is is propositioning her essentially, you know, he's trying to kiss her and stuff. She says, "I just went through a terrible divorce. I got a world of judgment on me right now." You know, because she knows that that people are looking at her and they're already frowning. And so she just can't do anything else that might possibly bring judgment on her, you know. And then when she gets confronted in the store by that awful, awful woman who just I don't even know why that woman would even go to the show, honestly. Right. But she just she accepts it. You know, her shoulders fall, her head hangs and she just says, I'm sorry, I let you down, ma'am. And it just infuriates me. And the audacity of that woman to feel like she has the right to criticize her like that in the first place. Like that kind of cruelty is just so, it just infuriates me. I was very upset. And then um, coming right off the heels of that at, at that very same concert is when Johnny pulled her on stage and made her sing Time's a Wasting. Yeah. God, that song is wonderful, and I love listening to them sing it. But she is sitting there telling him, no, I don't want to do this. It's inappropriate. I wrote the song with my ex-husband, who I'm still being judged for having a divorce. I can't walk, you know, I can't do this. And he's like, nope, we're going to do it. Right. And then he kisses her on the cheek in front of everybody. Right. Yeah. Johnny needs some boundaries. A lot of boundaries. A lot of boundaries. And he needs to learn the meaning of the word no. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So I, I think that covers most of my specific points other than the whole movie. <laughs> really depressing. I mean, it's a good movie. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It is a good it movie, is. but you have to be prepared. And I wasn't prepared because my memory of it was just, oh, it's a movie about country music. It must be wonderful. No. I guess I was prepared because I know the story of Johnny Cash's life. Yeah. But it was, God, it was, it was just a harrowing kind of movie. Yeah. And for me, like just this constant cycle, cruelty and violence of fathers and how that goes on and on in cycles after generation, how much it's tied to poverty and the women who are stuck being the moms and wives in those situations. And it's just, it's just heartbreaking to the point that you almost become immune to it, you know? And I hate that. And, you know, when Jack got hurt and Roy, like, threw Johnny in the room without even telling him what had happened, like, how much can you possibly over-traumatize a child over something that was already horrible and traumatic? Right. You know, and then yelling and screaming that the devil did this and he took the wrong son. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I can't even. Like, this is just. Oh, yeah. That hurt my heart. Yeah. It's just awful. And that that just killed me. Um, but but watching Johnny Cash 
start to crash into drugs and anger and violence and madness. It just, it's heartbreaking, you know, and that battle of, of addiction and violence raging against innate creativity and talent. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't even know how to express how much it bothers me that it feels like the two have to be connected. And I really, really do not want them to be. Well, but they don't, because if you look at this movie, even the juxtaposition of Johnny and his family and June and hers. That's true. Because June had the same talent, the same, if, if okay, not the same, it's different, you know, but they both have extraordinarily amazing ability and they're both extremely talented and they both have this creative streak and it just comes from a different place for both of them. That's very true. And she did seem to have a much better relationship with her parents than Johnny did with his. Oh, definitely. But the whole movie seemed to me to just be like the musical journey of a man who escaped from one kind of prison and ended up in another. There's just something incredibly sad about that. Yeah, I, I really hope that the 35 years that he had with June after the movie ends, he did get happiness and peace. I hope so, too. I really just, I don't know. I hope he did, and I hope she did. Yeah, so now that we're all sad, (laughs) do you have anything that tickled you pink? I do, actually, shockingly enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, Reese's performance the whole way through was amazing. And I love that she stood up for herself when she got mad that they were all drunk, and she started throwing bottles and stuff at them loved it that was so great and the guys were all like we surrender <laughs> that was yes she has got a spark in her mm-hmm. and then i i have to mention i'm going to be shallow too the dress that she's wearing when we first meet her that pink one where she gets tangled up in his guitar strap i want that dress it was it would look adorable on you it was adorable on her. Yeah, it was. And and I did love it when she yelled from behind the stage, I got tangled up in Johnny Cash's guitar strap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was good. It was good. And then when when Johnny has his band singing for the guy who he wants to make his record mm-hmm. and the gospel song is not working, you know, and he's trying to convince uh the guy to to give him another chance, he's, he says something about, do you have anything against God or whatever? And the guy looks dead, looks at him dead in the eyes and says, it ain't got nothing to do with believing in God, Mr. Cash. It's about believing in yourself. Oh, God. That was probably my favorite moment of the show, of the movie, because that producer said, I don't believe you. you right. Know, if you were dying and you could pick one song to sing you up, that's the kind of song that saves people. And Johnny picks a song that he wrote, you know, and then it's like, hello, voice. And mm-hmm. <laughs> the pace picks up and up and up. And now we have music. And it was so freaking fantastic. And I loved that moment of hearing him find his own voice and come into his own song. And mm-hmm. I, it's probably my favorite moment of the movie. Yeah, I think that would probably be my favorite because that's the one to me that had the most impact because that was finally somebody speaking Johnny Cash's language, right? you know, and telling him, be yourself, not who you think people want you to be. Because he had been writing these songs already, but he was doing the gospel because he thought that's what he needed to do. Mm -hmm. And to be given that permission, I guess, 
um, watching his face change, watching Joaquin's performance as his face changed and, and kind of starting out slow and uncertain and then ending up just belting it out. Yeah. It was a good moment. It was great. And the band, like them coming into tune together like that, picking up the pace together when they hadn't practiced, it was so well done. And oh, <laughs> musicians are magicians. I mean, really, it was it was so uh, that's fantastic. all I can say. <laughs> it was so fantastic. Maybe a close tie. I think I would say that was my absolute favorite, but I had a very close second favorite um, at the very beginning with Jack and John, these sweet little brothers and that little boy just loving his radio, you know, and asking Jack, how come you're so good? You know, every story in scripture. And Jack said, you know, every song in Mama's hymnal. And Johnny said, songs are easy. And I was like, and here we have multiple intelligences. This is a musical. And I was, I was so happy. Oh, your little brain was just lighting up all over the place. I loved it. And, and I loved Jack's reason for wanting to learn all of the Bible stories because he wanted to be a preacher. And he said, you can't help nobody if you don't know the right stories. And I felt later yeah. that Johnny had learned that lesson, you know, as a musician, you can't help nobody if you don't know the right song. Yeah. And we saw that, you know, when he came with like his comeback album and he decided to record it live from a maximum security prison, which I loved. And the warden told him, you know, hey, don't remind the prisoners that they're in prison. And Johnny <laughs> said, what do you think they forgot? <laughs> <laughs> He belts out the song that is the song they need to hear. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and so I really, really like how that came full circle. Yeah. And I like him sort of in search for his name, the same way that he was in search for his voice, mm -hmm. going from JR to John to this public figure of Johnny. I really like that. But I kind of think Reese Witherspoon stole the show. Yeah. And when she described his sound, Steady as a train, sharp like a razor, I was like, oh yeah, that is perfect. <laughs> that is Johnny Cash, and and I really loved her just as a character. But any woman that travels with a suitcase full of books, my girl, <laughs> right? <laughs> and when she said, "Whenever I finish a book, I give it away to somebody," but probably my favorite lines from her was the first time that he tried to kiss her. And she calls him out on it, and he says, it just happened. And she's like, right. You wear black because you don't have anything else to wear. You found your sound because you can't play no better, and you kiss me because it just happened. You should try taking credit every once in a while. And yep. I was like, I love this woman because, hell yes, own your voice, own your desire, and don't kiss someone unless you damn well mean it. And I really liked her pushing that back on him. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great. She was much stronger than you expect her to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when he crashes so hard and then he goes to her, like drunk off his ass, asking her to marry him again. And she says, no, but she tells him, start loving yourself so we can go back to work. Like, if you want to show me you love me, get your shit together. And I right. thought that, that was really good. I think that she was fantastic. And then my last tickle pink was the repeat of Johnny dressing all in black. Because at first we have Viv telling him, you look like you're going to a funeral. And he says, maybe I am. And then the record producer at the end, when he's going to perform at the prison, 
you know, says, you look like you're going to a funeral. And he says, maybe I am. Mm-hmm. And I really, really like that because what he thought he was burying in both cases were so different. Right. You know? And I like Johnny standing up to them and saying, I'll, I'll be at that prison on January 13th. You can listen to the tapes. <laughs> right. When he told the prisoners, y'all are the best audience we've ever had. And then he smashed that glass of water. This is why I love this man. I can't help it. <laughs> so I'm getting the sense that this movie was right up your alley. I mean, it was. It was It was incredibly depressing. And it, it didn't, I didn't buy this as a happy ending. You know, I felt incredibly bad for everyone involved. But it's definitely my kind of story. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it right. speaks to me on a lot of levels. And I think it was an honest movie. I don't think it was a happy one, but I think it was an honest one. I can definitely agree with that. It had a story it needed to tell, and it it told that story. Mm-hmm. And it did do it very well. It was, again, just very hard to watch. Yeah, it really, really, really was. Except for the musical performances. I could yeah. watch those all day. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was so, so, so great. Especially when the two of them sing together. Although... I, I'm not a fan of Jackson, and that was the song they sang the most. But yeah. I really like seeing them perform together. I think that they they complemented each other so well. They're both so crazy talented, and they just did an amazing job with that part. Absolutely. And I like the fact that so much of the movie is based on Johnny Cash's autobiography because he was honest about a lot of this. You know, he, he didn't sugarcoat his life. Mm-mm. And and I think that that also takes a certain kind of courage. And I thought that that it was just really neat to kind of see how much of this came from his own perspective and how much of that perspective was represented in his music. Like the one song about the get the get the rhythm when you have the blues, you know, that mm-hmm. was inspired by watching the young boy and, and the older man shine people's shoes and like how they were in perfect rhythm and sync and made almost a dance out of it. And someone like Johnny Cash sees something like that and he sees music. Like he sees the song in that. And that is a kind of magic that just amazes me. So I really like seeing it on screen in this movie. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm sorry you didn't. (laughs) It's not that. Well, it's a good movie. It's a well done movie. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful performances. It just left me feeling upset. Yeah. I was grumpy when this movie went off. Aww. It just it kind of affected me deeply in my core, which I guess is another sign of a really good movie because I I certainly wasn't ambivalent about it. Like it it had an effect on me. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that music does that too. Like it may not be a happy song, maybe like an utterly devastating song, but sometimes we still need that. You know, and and we turn to that kind of music when we need it. And I think sometimes we turn to these kind of movies when we need them. But Mm -hmm. just sharing life stories without making it polite and without making it neat and tidy, which I think is why the ending bothered me so much, because it felt like it was trying to end neat and tidy. And I like the I like the rawness of it. I like the. I guess the vulnerability of sharing that kind of story, even when it's incredibly painful. And I I would imagine incredibly shameful to write that kind of autobiography, but having the courage to do that anyway, you know, having the courage to put yourself in your work 
whether that's music or writing or painting or dancing or whatever it is, I just have so much respect for people who are strong enough to do that. Mm -hmm. Where would you have chosen to end the movie? Like what part of his story would have been the end for you? This would have been part one of two. I wanted the second half of his life. Okay. I would have gone all the way through. So you would have stopped just before we realized that June and her family were there for him and he had a place to belong so that we could tell that story in part two? I think so. Okay. I think so. I think I think I would have ended at the prison with that performance. That was a perfect place to end this movie. And then pick up with the bus trip and everything that happened with June after that and then carry that through. Because okay. that definitely would have been too damn long for one movie. Because this was already oh, yeah. a long movie. Especially when you decide to watch the extended cut, which is like 20 minutes longer. Oh my God, what did I miss in the extended cut? I have no idea. Uh. <laughs> I don't know. But it was so long. Mine was two hours and 15 minutes. Oh, I think mine was like 2.30. Oh my God. 2.35. Two like, there might have been music in there that I missed, Mandy. <laughs> That's not acceptable. <laughs> oh, I'll have to go look it up and see if I can uh, figure out the difference between the two. Oh. Um, but I, d- I did not do that. I was just like, I'm going to watch this one. Oh, wow. I don't know that I have the heart to watch it again. I think I have to, I think I have to recover first. But yeah, <laughs> if I do yeah. watch it again, I'll watch the extended cut next time. <laughs> but talking about June and her family kind of brought me into like our other buckets because this wasn't bless your heart and it didn't tickle me pink, but I thought it was very moving Mm -hmm. to see like that, that Thanksgiving scene when John was trying to bring, you know, up that tractor that was stuck because his dad had said something about that expensive tractor stuck in the mud. And, you know, everyone's getting ready to leave because he's basically being a crazy man and being so destructive. And June's mother tells her to go to him. And June says, I'm not going down there. And her mama says, you're already down there, honey. But I couldn't decide if I liked it or not. Like, why is it June's job to save him? I mean, in in a lot of ways, it was great. But even he tells her, you should have left me. Mm -hmm. And, And I think, like, when you love someone who's on a destructive path, you want to carry that faith for them. But you can only carry that so far. And him, like, proposing when he'd only been clean for six months, it just felt to me like he was setting himself up for another crash. And I wanted him to be steadier on his feet before he tried to pick her up. Right. You know? But I loved that her parents stayed, too. Like, they didn't leave her there to deal with it. They stayed, and they helped. And they ran off his dealer with a shotgun. Like... (laughs) Yeah, I did really like that. Right? That was so good. And when he proposed to her on the tour bus after the prison concert, and she's asking him, you know, okay, how is this going to work? Like, what about my girls? What about your girls? What about our, where are we going to live? And he's typical man without a plan. And he's like, it'll work itself out. And she says, no, things don't work themselves out. People work them out for you and you just think they work out. (laughs) And I was like, hell Yes. Exactly. So I w- I'm just worried about her being in the role of the person who makes things work out for him, being in mm-hmm. that role of constantly saving him. And maybe there's something to, okay, the love for this person will keep him on the right path, but he has to be willing to do that for himself. 
And I guess I didn't feel like he was quite there yet by the time we got to the end of the movie. Yeah, I think. So you said you weren't quite sure how to feel about June's mother sending her down to him on the tractor and her going. Mm -hmm. I think that's the point where I get really frustrated because I'm frustrated that her mother is encouraging it at that point. Yeah. I mean, Johnny is clearly unhinged in that moment. And if I had a daughter, I would not be sending my daughter down there. Me neither. And so that just always gives me pause and makes me start to think, what do I really think about what's going on on screen right now? I would not have sent my daughter down there. But if I'm being very honest, I would have gone. So I'm not sure what that says about me. No, no, no. I'm right there with you. But I, I feel like that moment would have been more relatable to me if June had made that decision herself instead of her mom sending her. Because that would have felt more like reality. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, this was, what, in the 50s, 40s? I don't know when this was. It was in the, it was in the 50s. Sometime in <laughs> yeah. the 50s. It, it, when he was a little boy, it was in 44. So this was like 50s, 60s at this point. And so I understand that she was a proper mama's girl, and and so that's really what she was doing at that point. But it would have made more sense to me if she had just gone. The only line that maybe saved it for me was her mom saying, you're already down there, honey. Because that sometimes is how love works. Yeah. But I would have rather, June said... Like, if her mother had said, don't go down there, and June had said, I'm already down there, I would have believed that. Right. Because I know, like, as a woman in love, I would have gone down there. But I would not have sent my child. Mm-hmm. So I guess that was part of what bothered me. But I did really, really like that her parents stayed to help. Yes. Because he finally got to feel what a family is. Right. You know, and and so we got from the detox to they were all at the cabin together. You know, his dad was there with the the tin can phone with the girls. And, you know, it did give us kind of a very nice, neatly wrapped resolution. Right. Which I liked. Yeah. And sort of. (laughs) And I guess just in this case, I didn't want a nice, neatly wrapped resolution. Yeah, I, I just think there was so much more there. But, I mean, it was already a long damn movie, and I understand that they had to end it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. But sometimes you have such amazing, talented people that you make a six-hour movie, and you're breaking it too hard. <laughs> <laughs> no, Kelly. No. No. Oh, well. No. Couldn't we have just had a concert with the two of them afterwards singing like all kind of fabulous songs that have nothing to do with See, now that I wholly support. Okay. Let's do that. That would have been awesome. Yes. We could put together a request list. (laughs) (laughs) Or we could just go on Spotify and listen to Johnny Cash actually sing her songs. I desperately, desperately want to hear the two of them together sing Time in a Bottle by Jim Croce. And I desperately want the two of them together to sing Walking Back to Georgia by Jim Croce. Okay. This would have delighted me to no end. It has nothing to do with the movie or the story. I just wanted to see the two of them perform those songs together. All right. I'm not familiar with those songs. Oh, they're so good. I'll take your word for it. Jim Croce is a master. Now, that is a movie we need, is the movie about Jim Croce. 
I don't know who that is. Oh, he was such a talented singer. He he was amazing. He was amazing. And he died young in a plane crash. Right oh. when he was getting like to the part of his music where he had come into his voice and his songs were incredible. Um, and he died way, way too young. But he was one of my favorite singers growing up and, and is still music I turn back to all the time. He's got a song called Walking Back to Georgia uh, about a girl in Macon. <laughs> oh, okay. I just love it. But his story, I would very much like to see made into a movie. That would make me incredibly, it would make me incredibly sad because I would cry all the way through it. But it would make me incredibly happy if they made it into a movie. All right. Well, if we've got any screenwriters listening, get oh, on that. There we go. That would be fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Call it time in a bottle. Y'all make that movie for me. <laughs> so speaking of other movies, what are we watching next, Mandy? Uh, we are going to watch another Reese Witherspoon classic, Sweet Home Alabama. I love this movie. Not a sad movie. <laughs> Not a sad movie. Not this a sad movie. is a movie that was made specifically to delight me, and I love it. I like it a lot, too, so I cannot wait to hear your take on that. <laughs> Okay, well, we want to hear from you. If you would like to join the conversation on Twitter, you can use the hashtag SFPOP. Tell us about your experiences growing up in the South or how you felt watching Walk the Line. You can find me on Twitter at Mandy Kay, or you can email us at podcast at eloquentgushing.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Kelly Jones or on the Still Dead podcast with Lonnie Dianrich. And Southern Fried Pop Culture is funded by supporters like you through our Patreon page. For exclusive content and more, please visit us at patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. And speaking of incredibly talented musicians, thank you to Jazzy Bentley for our show music. And thanks, y'all. As always, thank you, Jazzy. You want to hear just what I think, but I don't walk around to Southern Fried Pop Culture is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, please visit eloquentgushing.com or visit us on Twitter at Eloquent Gushing.